talking about the need for all of us, no matter who we are, to move closer to Jesus. I appreciate Rain sharing her story because it is possible wherever you're starting from right now, He does love you. God expressed His love for you in the person of Jesus through His life and death and resurrection. And our desire is just to help you get closer to Him. We've talked about how we, we need to think more like Jesus. How, does, how would Jesus view things? How, how, what would His thoughts be? What, were his, what would His motives be? And then how do, we, how do we obey more in the way that Jesus would obey, act more? How do we treat other people? And, and specifically, we said last week, that looks like love. That most often looks like the way that we love other people. But I want to take the next two weeks and, and want to talk about not just getting closer to Jesus, we feel like you need to be getting closer to people. Uh, we, we've talked about it before. <clears throat> you were created to need other people in your life. We, we weren't created to fly through life solo and be independent. We, our lives are richer and fuller as they're connected to other people. When Jesus was asked to sum up the commandments and the laws, He summed it up in two ways. He said, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then you should love your neighbor as yourself. And then he explained who neighbor was. Uh, we're going to talk about sort of two categories of neighbor, one this week and one next week. Uh, the one I want to talk about this week is the neighbor that is sitting beside you this morning, that we, that this group, that uh, us together, we are neighbors. Turn to the person sitting next to you and say, hi, neighbor. Yeah, good. Didn't that feel good? Right? <clears throat> yeah, didn't it feel great? Yeah, the person sitting next to you, the person sitting behind you, the person sitting in front of you, they're a part of this group that Jesus meant when he said, love your neighbor, the church, the people of God, the place where we worship. That's a vital connection for you and for your spiritual life. Now, it's not going to surprise anybody for me to say, I think the church is really important. Right? Nobody is shocked that the pastor thinks the church is really important, but, but I do. And, and I think this church is really important. Again, nobody is shocked by that. Um, that's why I am passionate and committed and I love what has happened here. If you're new, maybe this is your first Sunday. We haven't met. Uh, we're, we've been around less than four years. Uh, Journey Church is less than four years old, so... Uh, four years ago, this wasn't really even much of an idea, and yet God has put us together, and I'm so passionate and so committed to what He has done here. I like doing life and church and spirituality and faith with all of you, and again, that doesn't shock anybody. Uh, I, 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 since I started the church, I, my, my family committed a lot and risked a lot and and, and prayed a lot and trusted God a lot that this would become a thing. And, and here we are. Um, other churches I've served at, there was always sort of that option of, <clears throat> well, you could go somewhere else. Like if things didn't go real well, then, uh, you know, there are other churches. You could go somewhere. You could serve on staff somewhere. You could pastor another church. Uh, this is what I want to do till I'm no longer able to do this. This is the only place I want to be forever. And Now, you could fire me, and then that would be a problem for me. But short of that, I, I, I love 
the church. I love this church, but I don't just love this church. I love any church. I think any church is incredibly, eternally valuable and important. Any church that teaches the Word of God and points people to Jesus, that church matters. That church is important. That church is doing something eternal. And it really, really matters in the eternal scheme of things. We've talked about it before. This church, the church, wasn't my idea. It, it, it's not a person's idea. It wasn't the disciples' idea. Go back 2,000 years ago. This wasn't Peter's idea or John's idea or Andrew's idea. This was God's idea. The church, initiated by Jesus, getting all of its traction in the book of Acts as the church began to multiply and spread and grow and churches began to pop up in city after city and pastors began to pastor them and Paul writes letters to them and he plants churches and Peter writes to, to churches and to pastors. This was God's idea. <clears throat> and, and not only has it always been God's idea, it's always going to be God's idea. It was God's plan that primarily through the church, the, the mission that He left with us would get accomplished. The eternal mission of God would primarily be funneled through His people as they come together in the church, in the body of Christ. Now, the thing about the church and the New Testament in particular is that the New Testament shows the church getting started, it doesn't give a lot of detail about exactly how the church is supposed to look. Uh, there's a little bit of information about organizational structure, uh, but the church isn't the organizational structure, as, as important as that is. Uh, it, there's not a, a lot of commands about, well, it, it has to be one of these, or it has to look like this when you, when you read the Bible. When you look throughout church history, when you look around the world right now, you find all kinds of forms of churches, small ones and medium-sized and really big ones. And you, you find churches that take on various structures. Uh, and, and part of the reason was God initiated the church to survive. I mean, the fact that we're here 2,000 years later is partly attributed to God's wisdom in not saying the church can only be like this. Instead, God said, Look, get, get people together who love God and want to know Jesus and want to help other people to know Jesus and let them figure it out wherever they are, in whatever culture they're in, in whatever context they're in. Let them figure out, because we have God's Word and we have God's Spirit and we have a brain, let them figure out how best to do that wherever they find themselves. So right now, all over the world, there are churches that look completely different from this one. Churches that look very similar to this one. There are churches in places where it's illegal to go to church, and it looks very different from this church. And I think God is pleased. It's a good thing that we didn't have to look a certain way. Um, <clears throat> because we meet in a warehouse, right? I was, having, uh, I was at a community event uh, this week, and I happened to sit down next to a guy from our bank. And he and I had, had a meeting 
uh, when we were closing on the property, and, and he helped me with some paperwork. And so I didn't recognize him at first, but we started talking. I went, oh, you're that guy. And uh, he said, yeah, you know, after, our, after you came in and, and we had our conversation, we met, I Googled your address, and I drove out because I wanted to see your church. And the next thing out of his mouth was, that's not where I expected a church to be. And I went, yep, it's not where we expected to be either. <laughs> this is where we are. That's not where we expected to be. But he's right. It's kind of an odd place and in the, in, in the back of sort of a mini industrial park. And, and here we are. It's, that's the, the reason it's such a great thing that the church is not this. And the church is not the address on the mailbox. And God didn't say, thou shalt not have a church in a warehouse, right? I'm glad he didn't say that. And God also didn't say, thou shalt not have a church in a cathedral. Or thou shalt not have a church in a red brick building with white columns. He didn't make any rules like that. He just said, look, get get people together who love God and are pursuing him with their hearts. And they want other people to know God and walk with Jesus Get those people together and figure out how to carry out the mission of God because that's what we're here to do. That's who we are. We are the church, us, together. It's us. It's not the building or the address or or the look or the style of of music. It's, It's us. And all throughout the New Testament, the Bible reinforces over and over again that we we need each other as the church, as the the body of Christ. We were not intended to have individual spiritual experiences. We weren't intended to come on Sunday and everybody have their own individual experience. Now, Now, hopefully, you hear from God individually and you worship God individually. and Maybe God says something specific to you about something that you're going through. That's great. We have that sort of experience. But the church means we're going to bring our individual lives together to form a bigger life, a bigger body, something that none of us could form on our own, but we need each other for. It's it's connecting our lives together. Paul's analogy in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, I'm going to read in just a minute. One of his most consistent analogies for us, for what we're doing, is a body. He, He compares the church to a physical body. I've mentioned before in 1 Corinthians, he's trying to sort out a lot of messy things because the people in Corinth were crazy about a lot of things. And so Paul's trying to straighten out a lot of things. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, he writes to them, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one Spirit to drink, even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And he's in the middle of this discussion of how we all have gifts and strengths, and we all do some things better than other people. And, and part of the beauty of belonging together is everybody brings their part, and then we become something bigger and stronger and better than any of the individual parts. We, we become this larger body Because we're not trying to approach our spiritual life on our own. We're connecting our lives together in a body. Now, here's the thing about bodies. None of them are perfect. We all have imperfect bodies. We're we're in 
<clears throat> that strange window between New Year's resolutions and spring break, right? And we're far enough away from New Year's resolutions that we've stopped doing those, but we're not yet close enough to spring break to realize, I need to get back on the kale salad, right? We're not, we're not except some of you are checking your calendars right now to see how much time you have, right? We're not yet to... Look how close Memorial Weekend, the official start of summer is. I got to get in swimsuit shape, so I better start working out again. We're in that window of we're just kind of okay with who we are. We wear bigger clothes, right? We wear black, it's slimming, so it hides things. But the reality is, not to pick on you, we're, we're all the same way. The reality is none of our bodies are perfect. Uh, we all have lumps and bulges, and blemishes, and flabby places. We all do. We all do. Don't look at anybody, all right? Just acknowledge you have it. They have it. He has it. She has it. We, there's no such thing as a perfect body. And, and part of the problem, with, even with exercising and, and with eat, eating salad, is most of us have had the experience of there is this one part that bothers us the most about our body. Like if, if we had that conversation would be awkward, but if we had that conversation, we probably all have those one or two things that we would really like to change. And you exercise and you eat salad and you use lotion and it is that area that doesn't budge, right? Everything else starts to shape up a little bit, but that area you most want to change, it's just still there. Our, our bodies are imperfect. I, I'm not a... Um, I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a nutritionist. Uh, I'm not an exercise consultant. But what seems to be true is that the, the best way to affect change when it comes to our physical body is to commit for the long haul. To find something that you're willing to keep doing, not for a week or 30 days or 60 days or 90 days, but some way that you're going to alter your routine and you're going to stick with it for a long time. There is no end to the products that promise quick results, right? You can drop this many pounds in these few weeks. You can change this as quickly as that. Just take this pill, drink this shake, eat this, use this uh, Bowflex machine, whatever it is. Here's the thing. If you just do this consistently for 30 days, then you'll be fine. And our body doesn't work that way. The, the way to impact change is I'm going to make some changes that I'm going to keep doing. Because what tends to happen is when we lose fast, we tend to gain more faster somewhere down the road. Have you ever, ever noticed that? Like you drop it really fast, and then it shows back up and, and brings friends with it in about six months or a year. Now, let, let, me, let me draw some analogies to the church body, to, to what we are as a church. Since as the church, we're a body made up of imperfect people, the body's always going to be imperfect church is always going to be a perfect because it's a body and churches have blemishes and and they have bumps and bulges and receding hairlines they, churches have all of that because we're a body and there's no such thing as a perfect body and there's you've heard this before there's no such thing as a perfect church if you're looking if you need a perfect church 
you're going to change churches about every 18 to 24 months. You just are. It's like everything else in life. It's why we have the saying, the perfect is the enemy of the good. Because we're looking for the perfect all the time and all of these good options keep passing us by. But no, it's got to be perfect. And so we keep changing. If you're looking for the perfect job, perfect pay and the perfect benefits, and, and you only do the things that you really like to do, and you're just fulfilled every day, and you walk in and out of the office whistling and happy, you're not going to stay with a job for very long. Because that job's not out there. There's not a job out there that's perfect. If you're looking for a perfect marriage, good luck. There's not one. You're going to jump from marriage to marriage to marriage, and you're going to blame the other person for not being perfect because you're looking for perfect. When we look for perfect, we just keep jumping from one to the next to the next to the next. And it's the same way with church. The body is not perfect. The church is not perfect perfect, and if you're looking for the perfect church, it's going to be kind of a revolving door. You're going to just kind of jump from one to the next. Or something that I've seen more of in the last couple of years than maybe I did 20 years ago in ministry, and it's a burden to me, is that I I see more of people getting dissatisfied or or deciding that the church they're attending is not perfect, and so they're going to go somewhere else. They just never actually make it to somewhere else. Like there's some reason that in their mind is legitimate, and maybe it is, why they need to leave that church. So they're going to go to another church and fast forward three years, and they're still not at that mysterious other church. And you ask them, like when they leave, You say, hey, where are you guys going to church? Oh, we're visiting around. And you see them two years later, and you ask them, where are you guys going? Oh, we're visiting around. Oh, we're still visiting around. Five years later, we're still visiting around. I see this more now, and it's good to visit around. If you're visiting around, that's not for you. I'm just saying it's, it's fine to visit around. It's not fine to stay there forever and ever and ever because... You don't think the church is perfect because the church isn't perfect. Here's another analogy from this body idea. The way to have a healthier body is to make a commitment for the long haul. Not just physical body. The way to have a healthy spiritual experience in the body of Christ, in the church, is to decide, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay. I'm going to be in. And yeah, it's not going to be perfect. And yeah, the the church is like a a physical body. There there are bumps and, and blemishes and things that aren't perfect. And in any church, there are some areas that aren't as strong as maybe the, we want it to be. Now, we're working on it. We're working out. We've got to get there. So it's going to take a little time to get there. But But the way to experience the the beauty and the glory and the depth and the fulfillment of spiritual connection, of being close to people in this life, is to decide to stay. I'm going to be in. And and not a, I am committing to just kind of hang around. I'm committing like every six months I'll pop in. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about deciding God has put me in this imperfect church, and I'm going to stay. 
we don't, as, as I mentioned, as Journey, we don't have a, a, a long history, less than four years. But when I think about church experience, ministry experience, the things that I like to think about the most are the changes that I saw in people over time. When there was a, a child in the kids' ministry in fourth grade, and they, they moved up to the student ministry, and uh, they were your typical middle schooler, and like they didn't know how to use their bodies, and they talked too loud, and they were annoying, and then they, they kept getting a little bit older, and they eventually become a leader in the youth group, and then you watch them go away to college and flourish and stay faithful to God, and then they let you know, hey, I'm getting, I'm getting married, I want you to be a part of our wedding, and you, you see them become a family, and, and then you see that couple leading a community group. There's nothing more beautiful than the transformation that Jesus does in people that you get to watch over time. It's funny, after the first service, uh, we, had some, we had a first-time guest. I was getting to know them. And then we had some, some people who had been here a couple times, but they're, they're still checking us out. And so we were all talking, and, and they introduced the person as, this is someone that we served at, in church in church ministry together. And then another person walked up and said, hey, remember when we taught in kids ministry? Remember the kids we had? It was this connection of our lives have been joined together. That's, that's what the body of Christ is. That we would see God do a work. Or when somebody's going through a difficult time and, and the church rallies around them and prays for them and and we pray for God's healing. We pray for God's move. And then we see that happen. And then years later, we're still celebrating. Why? Because we've been together for years. And we know, people who just met this person, they don't know. But we know what they came through because we, our lives have been together for so long. Or a marriage that was struggling. Been in churches where we've seen a lot of this. And, and, and nobody gave up. And it wasn't easy. And it wasn't always pretty. But nobody gave up. And people kept praying, and people kept being there, and, and God does this beautiful work. Or somebody walks through a tragedy. You know, the answer that God gives isn't healing or, or, or what we've been praying for, but we walk through the darkness of that time with somebody. By, by going and staying in an imperfect body, an imperfect church, what happens is we begin to build Layers of history with each other. I was talking with a young couple uh, this past week. They're getting married in the summer. And that's one of the things I told them. It's, this is the great thing about marriage. This is the great thing about sticking with marriage is you get this history together. Uh, you have stories that only the two of you know. You have roads that only the two of you walked. And you can't replicate that with anybody else because you, you build up 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years We've just been building history together. and The body of Christ is a lot that way. We walk paths together and we prayed the same prayer together. A few weeks ago, uh, my great uncle passed away. He was 100 years old. He turned 100 back in September. He was my, uh, my grandmother on my mother's side. It was, it was her brother and 
And they were a big family. It's the family reunion we go to in the summer. I, I talk about it sometimes. Uh, but the siblings get in a smaller and smaller group. My, my great uncle turned 100 last fall. And he passed away just a couple of weeks ago. I wasn't able to go to the funeral, but I was talking to my mom about it. At the funeral, his, his current pastor stood up and said, uh, you know, before he got to 100, he was working in the student ministry. And he, he taught a, a Sunday morning Bible study. It was just teenage boys. And the pastor said, for years and years, he would call the list of boys every Saturday night. Not to ask if they were coming to church, but to ask them how their week went. To, to ask, hey, how are things going? After the pastor finished, the worship leader stood up and was going to sing a song. But before he did, he said, I just want you all to know that my son was one of those boys who got that phone call every Saturday night. There is a beauty and a depth and a strength to the body of Christ when we just keep walking together. One of my concerns in the time that we live in, in the church time that we live in, is some of us want to have generational impact we just don't want to stay anywhere for a whole generation. We want to have generational impact. We want to change the next generation. We just don't want to stay some, the same place for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years. So we actually get to make that impact and see what happens. Look, obviously. There are times when it's right to change. There are times when it's right to go to a new church. God closes the door, something happens, God lets you know, it's time, it's time to move on, that season is over, I have a new season in your life. Absolutely, this is not a prison sentence, you're not locked in chains to whatever church you ended up at here or anywhere else, that's not what this is. There, there are times to, in the right way, with integrity and, 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 and handling things the right way, not causing conflict, there's times God says, it's time for you to move on. But I, I think sometimes we just give up because relationships are hard and imperfect. We just give up on walking the hard path with people that God has put in our lives. And, and by having this conversation, I, I'm not saying that you're going to know everybody that you go to church with. That's probably not possible if you're in a church larger than about 50 people, it's probably not possible to know everybody and have the same type of relationship with everybody in the church. Everybody's your neighbor. You're not going to be close to everybody in, in the church. And sometimes we have some false assumptions when it comes to being part of a church. One of those false assumptions I sometimes run into is the I, I should know everyone assumption. Well, I should know everybody. I should be close to everybody. Well, that's... That's not always possible, nor is it always or ever the goal. It's not necessarily the goal in being the body of Christ that I would know everyone, but that I would know someone. I would be connected to some people. I would share a relationship, an encouraging relationship with someone. The question is not whether you deeply know everyone. The question in whatever church you're in is do you deeply know anyone? Are you taking the steps necessary to connect with anyone? 
Like sort of the flip side of that false assumption is, is not just I should know everyone, but sometimes we have the assumption everyone should know me. Like everyone should know who I am. Everyone should know my name. I'm important. I, I know a lot of things. I was a big leader in my last year. Everybody should know. Well, probably everybody's not going to know you. And that's not necessarily a terrible thing. The question is, does somebody know you? Because for good motivations or not so good motivations, we all have that desire, whether we admit it or not. We all have the desire to know and be known. To, to have a circle of encouragement and strength around us. It's one of the reasons, uh, one of the things we say often here, we have it on a big sign at the end of the hall, is this idea that we're better together. We're, we, are, we are better, we are more like Jesus, we are more faithful in our walk with Him when we're together. The writer of Hebrews says it this way, and let us consider how we, may, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's, let's consider how we can make each other better. Let, let's consider how I can encourage you and you can encourage me. Let's consider... A small group of people that we can have hard conversations with. Let's, let's have a group of people that we could ask to pray for us and we know they would pray for us. We're better together. Not only are we better together, we're stronger together. We're stronger together because we all get weak individually. We all go through overwhelming life circumstances that are more than one of us can bear which is why God gives us the gift of all of us, that we would be stronger together. Uh, when you buy cleaning supplies or, or pest control supplies, you can buy the regular solution or you can buy the concentrated solution, right? And the concentrated is always way stronger. That's who we are in the church. We're concentrated in the church. We're putting our lives together so that you can be strong for me at times when I need that. And I can be strong for you. And we can be strong for each other. We're stronger together. And we're louder together. I mean, if truly our mission is to help people to know God and to trust Him through His Son, Jesus, we do that better collectively working together. You, you have helped meet needs this week you don't specifically know about, and none of us could have helped individually, but collectively, because we're a body, we've been able to meet needs this week. We're able to help resource some local ministries here in this area and ministries that reach around the world in ways that you probably couldn't do on your own. I couldn't do on my own, but because we're together, because our voice is amplified because we brought our lives together, there are bigger things that we can do together than any of us could possibly do alone. So, we need each other. We need the beauty and the benefit of the body of Christ. What helps us accomplish that? Well, a couple of things, some, some practical things. 
getting in a community group. We just launched the semester. That's a great way to begin to meet people, to begin to bring your life together with another small group of people. Uh, We have handouts out on the Welcome Home table. They're online. You can go to welcometojourney.com. It's all right there. They're just getting started. Be a great time to dive in. Serving is another great way. Volunteering. Meet some people while you're volunteering. Here's one. Here's a suggestion. Be friendly. Like sometimes we have to come up with church words and spiritual words to, to label what we do. And maybe all we need to say is, why don't we all commit to being nice? Why don't we all commit to being friendly? Why don't, we, why don't we all commit to saying hi to somebody we don't know yet on Sunday morning when we come together? That would, that would be just a great contract for us to make, right? I know you didn't come prepared to make a contract, but that would be a great agreement just for us. Um, I know a lot of people are out of town. It's President's Weekend, so some people are traveling. We don't like them. They're not a part of this. It's just us, right? Because you're really committed. You're here on a holiday weekend. You're really committed. It's just us. What if we, what if we just all committed? Here's what I'm going to do. Every Sunday I come to worship here, I'm going to introduce myself to somebody I don't know. Just be friendly. I just say, before I go to my group, because we all gravitate to our group and our people and, and the ones we know, before we do that, we just decide, this is going to be my new commitment. I'm just going to say hi to somebody I don't know. I'm going to get their name. I'm going to introduce myself. I'm going to find out a little bit about their story. See if they have somebody to sit with on Sunday morning. Maybe just being friendly. To, to, to build this, like to be the body, takes initiative. I wish it just magically happened. I wish I had something I could sprinkle on all of us and it would just magically happen. It doesn't just magically happen. It happens when enough people in a church decide, I'm going to take the initiative to find a neighbor, to build a relationship, to invite somebody into my group. We all have groups. Is there room in your group for somebody else? Because God not only wants us to be close to Jesus, He wants us growing close to our neighbors, to people like the people that are seated around you. Like I said, I, um, I know the church isn't perfect. And I know if given the opportunity, we all have negative stories. Uh, my dad went into ministry when I was in his early 30s. I, I was about six. And so I grew up in a pastor's home. I've been in ministry for a long time. Um, since my early 20s, uh, even my late teens, I was interning and part-timing at churches. I've been in church a long time. Here's what I can promise you. Whatever bad story you have about the church, I can match every one of them. And if we go to coffee, if you want to treat me to Starbucks, anyone you got, I can match every one. I, I saw ways my dad was treated. I know. The body's not perfect. But I also know, for me, the greatest, most inspiring people I've ever met, I met them in a church. The people who shaped me into the person that I am today, 
I met him in a church. The most profoundly loving people, good people, love Jesus people I've ever met. I met him in a church. And some of the meanest people I've ever met too, but that's beside the point. The greatest people who marked my life. I, I, I just believe what God started 2,000 years ago in the church, He's just going to finish. It's not always pretty. You saw, you, you saw the headlines this week. Sometimes it's awful. Sometimes it's immoral. But Jesus thinks so much of the church that he calls us his bride. That's the affection that Jesus has for the body of Christ. And he's always going to be that way until we're reunited with him in heaven. So find a place, and we'd love for it to be this place. But if it's not this place, find a place and stay. Make a generational impact by staying for a generation somewhere and pouring your life and your gifts and your ministry and your heart into the people that are right around you in that body of Christ, wherever it is. God, thank you that you developed... A perfect way for the ministry of the kingdom to be carried out. And yet we know that with imperfect people, it never works perfectly. But God, renew our love for the church. Renew our love for your people, the body of Christ. In whatever form it takes, it, it looks different. It, it's bigger or smaller or medium or it meets in different places. It, that was never a concern of the New Testament. It was, where it meets, what it looks, looks like was never a concern. The concern was how do we put our lives together so that we draw closer to Jesus and help more people to do that? Help us to be that, that journey. The band's going to lead us in a, a song. It's a new song. You, you don't need to stand or sing. But just like I have reflections of people that I met in the church that marked my life, you do too. And I would ask you to use this time just to be grateful to God for how He has used His body, His church in your life.